0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So one of the conversations we've been having here over the last few days, going back to Friday night with our postgame show, we even mentioned this some yesterday, is... How much does Kirby Smart, who's obviously going to be the chief spokesman for Georgia this week, how much does Kirby Smart acknowledge, embrace the fact that there is one big hurdle left for Georgia? That Georgia over the course of smarts time here in 2016 since 2016 has done so much you know you beat michigan in a playoff game you beat oklahoma in a playoff game I mean, just think about that uh, i mean imagine where a georgia fan would have been like 20 years ago even 10 years ago to think in future seasons you're going to have these postseason wins against gigantic brand oklahoma gigantic brand michigan you're going to you know knock off dabble swinney and clemson you're going to beat notre dame twice i mean there's all these things that georgia has been doing complete stranglehold on almost all your rivals there's so many things that georgia has done since smart really got this program up and running in a a very big way starting in his second season in 2017 there's been a lot of success to embrace a lot of success to enjoy and along the way towards doing that there's like this one thing that has kind of lingered Uh, there's this one thing that's just kind of held out there as that final hurdle to cross it's the fact that georgia hasn't yet beaten alabama and maybe more relevant for this discussion that Kirby Smart hasn't yet beaten his old boss. We know this is probably personal a little bit for Smart. For a long time, no former Saban assistant had taken down the old uh, guy there. Jimbo Fisher became the first to do that earlier this season. But for Kirby Smart, he wants to do it on a big stage, not just a regular season game that becomes the answer to a trivia question one day, but the kind of thing that, that becomes a program defining moment for him and maybe a history-changing moment for the rest of college football if you can go out there and get that done. And george has been closed. They were favored to do that back in uh, December. Didn't get it done. Had a chance to do that with a halftime lead in Tuscaloosa a year ago. Didn't get it done. You know the story of the 2018 title game, SEC championship, the 2017 national championship game. You know all of that backstory by now. Kirby Smart knows it as well. And the question becomes, okay, well, so how much does Smart embrace that? And we said yesterday, maybe it's a pretty good idea to kind of go out there and Just say, yeah, totally acknowledge this. Hey, this is the one thing we still haven't done. We know this is not just another opponent for us. We know this is the kind of opponent that that clearly... There is something about Alabama that's more than just the fact that it has been the most talented program in the country and it has been the most successful program in the country. There is something for us about beating Alabama that's just a little bit more than that for all those reasons. Well, yesterday, Kirby Smart was given a chance to embrace that narrative, and he kind of chose not to do that. And along the way towards giving that answer about that particular topic... I think Smart also demonstrated that he maybe not be much of a movie buff either. <laughs> let, me, let me let you hear reporters' question to Smart, Smart's confusion about the premise, and ultimately his answer to all of this. This is a little bit awkward, but sort of awkward in an entertaining way. Smart yesterday asked about uh, about just the challenge of Alabama and how that occupies the mind of him and his players here this week. Good stuff from a Kirby press conference from yesterday
1: kind of the mental space it occupies in the heads, either your, you, your coaching staff, your players, seems like it's sort of the Crimson Tide have taken on a sort of bogeyman quality for Georgia in that they are the benchmark um, to which, you know, this program is often compared, but also one that has seemed to always get the best of your team. How do you handle that kind of mental dynamic when you're preparing your athletes to play them, uh, you know, for the second time in such a short span?
2: First off, What is the bogeyman? What did you reference it
1: as? (laughs) I said Alabama is a bogeyman uh, to Georgia football.
2: Yeah, I don't know exactly what that is, so it's hard for me to answer that question other than, they've also been a problem and a thorn in every single team they played side besides just ours so uh, we have that in common with a lot of teams that have played them they got a really good football team a really good coach and a really good program it starts with uh with good football players and uh, they've done a great job I uh, recruiting those and and i think when you look at the the skill set of uh, some of the guys they've had come through there and the I know myself, just looking at the last two or three times we've played them, I think somebody said either six or seven first-round wideouts have all played, and that that skill set is pretty unique. I don't think there's any team in the country that's had however many it's been, the run they've had on those, and and that makes it, you know, you got to play well.
0: So I want to cut that answer off. I want to give you some more of Kirby there in a moment because there's a lot to unpack from this. And let me start with this. I think Smart's 100% right when he says, hey, the the challenge of getting over the hump against Alabama is not unique to us. Alabama's a problem for everybody. I think that Smart's actually on to something when when he says that. And listen, I think you could actually make a case. And this is one of the things I think we get confused about sometimes. That if you ask, hey, since 2017, what's been Georgia's biggest issue? Oh, Georgia can't beat Alabama. But that's actually not true in the last two years, 2019, 2020, maybe even 2018 there as well, it's not that Georgia's biggest issue is getting over the hump against Alabama. The biggest issue for Georgia has been making sure that it's in the position to be the team most likely to topple Alabama. Follow me on this for a moment. So when Georgia got back to the SEC title game in 2018, lost close to Alabama, it certainly seemed like, oh, okay, Georgia's clearly the second best team in college football, but they just can't quite get over that hump against the Crimson Tide because, it was kind of almost like a, rep, uh, a replica of what the 2017 national title game had been. Yet you go out and see a couple of weeks later, Clemson just absolutely throttled Alabama, the national title game, maybe showing Georgia that it's, All of a sudden, its biggest issue now is not just getting over the hump against Alabama, but also how they would potentially compare to a Clemson. And then the following year after that, 2019, uh, it wasn't Alabama on the national stage anymore. It was LSU, and Georgia kind of got throttled there against LSU. And all of a sudden now it's, okay, how do you compare to Alabama, LSU, and Clemson? Then in 2020, not only did Georgia – you know, uh, still have the the issue of Alabama. All of a sudden now, Georgia's losing a game to Florida. And all of a sudden now, Georgia's not even playing for the SEC title game. The the, the issue there for a while for Georgia over the last couple of years, last three years maybe, a little bit more than uh, two years certainly, has been – the fact that the, the the number of teams potentially competing to be the next Alabama was starting to grow. It looked like it could be Clemson, it looked like it could be LSU, you know, it, it looked like it could be teams other than, you know, just Georgia. So what's been cool about 2021 is it's actually been a little bit of a, of a reset of that narrative again. The LSU team that won the title game in 2019, nowhere to be found on the national stage. Clemson's been good almost every year, but given some of the things that program is dealing with right now, you sort of wonder if they're ready for a little program erosion. Ocean, and all of a sudden, that space just below Alabama starts to, there's a little bit more room there now than there once was. And clearly, you know, Florida's nowhere to be found right now. That actually, the cool thing about 2021 is, is that Georgia may have reestablished itself as the biggest threat to Alabama and that team just below Alabama in the national landscape with no obvious contender to that spot so so I think when smart says hey Alabama's a problem for everybody he's right about that and what Georgia has done simply is restore itself as the team that's maybe in the best position to potentially topple Alabama so I don't think you should discount what smart says there on all of that however that's not the most interesting thing that happened in that clip that I just played for you the most interesting thing in that clip was the reporter asking, as she said it, about the bogeyman. I think that's a mispronunciation. I believe we're going to go with boogeyman here and uh, on all of this. And it's not clear to me if Smart knows what a boogeyman is, but didn't understand the idea of a bogeyman, or if he just doesn't understand this concept of this word at all. Frankly, that's not all that clear to me. But it's certainly very funny at the beginning of that clip. Uh, Smart not really knowing what the reporter's talking about frankly i thought she did a pretty good job of keeping her poise throughout all of that she tried to to make her you know make her case during her question but apparently smart does not know what a boogeyman is which makes me really wish someone would have unmuted themselves and in that press conference yesterday saying Kirby, have you not seen John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978? One of the greatest, you know, movie moments of all time. Uh, smart, are, are you? Are you not, uh, Kirby? Are you not well versed on your on your horror movie history when it comes to all of this? Because, like, my concept of what the boogeyman is almost comes exclusively from Halloween, that movie with Michael Myers, and uh, you know, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, they're trying so hard to, to 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 kill Michael and escape. Jamie Lee Curtis is, and they just can't seem to do it. And as I said before. One One of the greatest, you can make a case that this is the greatest line ever uttered by a child in a movie Oh, very very strong narrative connor Riley's looking at me crazy but when it when it comes to he's producing today but when it comes to the way in which this movie is explained there at the end let's go back to 1978 john carpenter's halloween greatest horror movie of all time i agree uh, i believe and for those of you that are not really familiar with what the boogeyman is the thing that smart was asked about yesterday let me give you a brief snippet of this from the great movie halloween 1978 here it is
1: i'm gonna take a little walk with
2: the boogeyman.
1: I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of. Are you sure? How? I killed
2: him. You can't kill
0: the boogeyman. See, that's that's a great line uttered by a child right there. You can't kill the boogeyman, uh, and and that's so important for that movie because at the end he doesn't die, of course, and that's obviously kind of a tie-in to all of this, uh, you know, for for Nick Saban there as well. Which, I mean, if you think about the symmetry and all this, it's actually really perfect because when is Nick Saban's birthday? It's October 31st. Like, he really is Michael Myers. Like, he really is. Uh, his birthday is Halloween, for goodness sakes, like as the Prince of Darkness ultimately would be. Like, all of this makes all the sense in the world. And the child says, listen, you can't kill the boogeyman. So even though the the reporter mispronounced it, it's not boogeyman. it's boogeyman, even though she mispronounced the, the name, the overall like comparison here, I think, is actually you know really really well stated, and and and, and frankly the uh, the connection here between Michael Myers and Nick Saban is probably uh, pretty strong. Now I want to come back to this you know concept here in a moment, but before that, let me kind of get a little more into the football part of this as well, because in the midst of that answer, Kirby gave a long answer to the question about the bogeyman or the boogeyman or whatever. But in the midst of all this, saying, listen, this is not about our history against Alabama, because frankly Alabama is hard for anybody to beat. You know, he says ultimately it comes down to this, and in kind of a flippant, almost off-handed way. Smart gives kind of the three keys to victory for Georgia against Alabama. And in Smart's mind, at least based on what he said yesterday, none of this is related to kind of killing Michael Myers. None of this is related to the kind of boogeyman characteristic that uh, Nick Saban might have. So let me give you the football part of this. This, in the midst of answering that question about the, uh, as the reporter said, the bogeyman, is what Kirby thinks the three keys to victory are against Alabama. This is Kirby
2: you got to play well in the red area you got to play well situational football you can't turn the ball over um expect to beat good football teams and um uh, and those are things that that we have done when we played them we turned it over and we can't do that but as far as the mental capacity and mental mindset of our guys they're, they're excited they got another i earned another opportunity to go play a really good football team and uh, we've got a really good football team so our guys are Physical, uh, excited, and looking forward to, to this opportunity on the biggest stage there is.
0: So I think that's really well stated by Kirby Smart. And I do I said this yesterday, that for the Georgia fan who kind of does view Nick Saban as the, as, as the boogeyman right now, this may be a chance to borrow some of that confidence from UGA. Those UGA players that are excited about playing this game, they're not scared. They're excited about that. You can borrow some of that confidence if you want to. And if you look at what's going to lead Georgia to a victory, I think Smart says it pretty well. It's not killing Michael Myers. It's just simply not turning the ball over. I mean, imagine how different the SEC championship game would have been if there were no turnovers. I mean, just that thing alone. And frankly, it's not just the Stetson game against Bama a couple times. A lot of the big losses for Georgia in recent years are games in which the turnover margin was greatly imbalanced against UGA. Some of this stuff even predates Stetson a little bit. That that if you could wave a magic wand and make a couple of turnovers disappear, Georgia has a lot more big wins. Turnovers have been a big factor in some of the big games that Georgia has lost, and obviously Stetson's played a big role in that. In the you know couple of Alabama games here recently, especially the most recent game back during the um, the beginning of December. And as, as Kirby says, there it's red area. You know it, it's 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 getting a change. Chance to, to to you know score some uh, score some points when you have a chance. to Do that. We're getting a little bit of an echo coming through right here. Uh, getting getting a chance to, to score some points when you get a chance to do that. Uh, you know getting a chance to uh, get a little bit of an echo coming through here getting a chance to uh as kirby smart says situational football when you have a chance to move those chains when you have a chance to stay on schedule offensively making sure you do that don't put yourself in a third and long situation where where all of a sudden now one of those turnover plays something like that becomes a little easier for an alabama team to conjure up all of that becomes a really big factor and i think that's uh really well said by kirby but then finally let me make this point then we'll move on When Smart, you know, kind of acknowledges or or, or sort of, you know, chooses not to acknowledge, when he kind of attempts to ignore the notion that Alabama might be the boogeyman for Georgia, I think there's... A fairly easy to understand reason why Smart might not want to do that, even though yesterday we said, hey, maybe you should just admit this. Maybe you should just openly embrace the idea that this opponent is just a little bit different. There's a mental hurdle about Alabama that's just a little bit different than anything you faced in the past. If you do that, if you make Nick Saban the boogeyman, if you make him Michael Myers, the villain that you can't kill, here's what deep down I think Kirby Smart kind of understands. Well, if that's what Saban is, that makes me the child in the closet afraid. That makes me Jamie Lee Curtis running for my life. And that's not what I want to be. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the child that's in the closet afraid, viewing this monstrous, the thing that you can't kill. That's not how we view ourselves as a program. And I think that's kind of understandable for smart and it's not obvious then that that smart didn't make the right choice yesterday to kind of ignore this is not a boogeyman situation this is not a this is not a scary villain this is not an this is not a this is not a michael myers that we're trying to take down even though does a lot of us it sort of seems like that is i think the right mindset for georgia may very well be what smart says at the end of that clip hey we're going to go out there and just try to play better we're going to try to avoid turnovers and score a few more points and and see how that works things out. We're going to try to play defensively in this game the way we did against Michigan and see how this works out. We're actually excited about this. We're not afraid, we're not nervous, we're not we're not a child hiding in a closet. We're actually ready to embrace all of this regardless of who the opponent is if that's the mindset that Georgia's is taking uh, there's a chance that actually might be the right way to approach all of this and for the georgia fan who maybe not quite so sure they're ready to buy in as we said yesterday maybe you can borrow some of that confidence and maybe by game time you can feel just as good about georgia as georgia seems to feel about itself my name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video. We start at 945 at dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app for what we call our first and 15. Then we get going on the other video platforms after that at 10 a.m. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, you can find us there on all of those, starting at 10 a.m. Of course, radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. Podcast, on-demand audio version, You can listen to it anytime you want on Apple Player, Spotify, all the various podcast platforms, including posting the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. You can check that out there. And of course, we appreciate our friends at ESOG making it all possible. You know, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, not only are they longtime friends of ours here around Dog Nation Daily, they're also proud partners of UGA there as well. So it's always fun to do business with those that support the dogs, and it's always the kind of thing that we're appreciative of when you uh, do business with those who uh, have been with us for a long time as i said before engineered solutions of georgia certainly an example of that they're the ones that you turn to for your foundation and your waterproofing issues and as a homeowner especially when you had a lot of rain we had big storms this past weekend you see that water creeping into your house you notice it in your basement or your crawl space or your garage you notice the example of that and you know over the course of time water can be a real problem it can lead to great great damage So that's why you want to reach out to Engineered Solutions of George. Or maybe you've seen those cracks in your wall that can be a sign of a foundation problem. That's the kind of thing that maybe you know that you need to have gotten seen about and you've put it off. Well, 2022 is the year where you need to take the the, the, the right step to make sure you're taking proper care of your home, which means reaching out to Engineered Solutions of Georgia and giving them a chance to do that. The number to dial could not be easier. If you want to get in touch with Jay and the whole team over there, it's 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And of course, it's great to have them and all of you with us here on Dog Nation Daily here today. It's Connor Riley coming up. We'll do a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor. More on pretty busy day yesterday Kirby press conference Nick Saban press conference a lot of the stuff that was talked about there and you know more on those kind of keys to victory for Georgia in terms of just simply not turning the ball over being a very big one and also finding a way to turn more scoring opportunities into actual points you know you got to score at least 30 to beat alabama and you've obviously got to do your part to keep alabama below that number to give yourself that best chance we'll talk to connor about that here coming up in just a little bit before that though i do want to go around the doghouse presented today by georgia's own credit union and one of the things we're going to try to do a lot over the course of the next few days is talk about reasons why if you're a georgia fan you ought to be confident in Georgia, going into this game now, not it's not going to be easy. It's not going to. I can't guarantee victory for you in this particular spot. But the one thing I can guarantee is is this notion that, as Kirby said before, the you know the 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 players are. Ready to embrace this opportunity? I can guarantee that's true. I can guarantee that Georgia views itself in a great spot, being in a national championship game with a chance to vanquish this foe that's been so that's that's been so tough for the dogs. I can guarantee you that's the mindset that UGA is approaching this with. And for the Georgia fan who wants to feel kind of the same way about his team, we're going to talk a little bit over the course of the next couple of days about where some of that confidence might come from. I think one example of that, one of the things that Georgia has going for it right now, is tight end Brock Bowers. You saw on the first touchdown that he scored against Michigan that uh, you know he sets a program record for touchdowns in the season, sets a, a a single season record for catches for a tight end at UGA. This is the most dynamic pass catching weapon that I think has existed for George in the Smart era. It's it's George Pickens in 2019 during his phenomenal freshman season. That's really the only thing that comes close. And now the Bowers numbers have even eclipsed that. It is also in all of these seasons in which George has been trying to take down Alabama, think about 2017, think about 2018, think about 2020, in all of these seasons where this has been trying to happen, George has never had the kind of pass catching threat that it has with Bowers, who was very big even the first time these two teams play. In fact, we know that even Alabama and Nick Saban has noticed this as well, because Saban talked about this yesterday. So if you want to feel better about George's chances for making the rematch different than the first time these two teams met, let Nick Saban's own words about Brock Bowers maybe give you some of that. This is Nick Saban from yesterday.
3: I think this guy is one of the premier players in college football. Uh, I know he's just a freshman, but Um, This guy's got great size, he's a good blocker, he's physical, he's tough um, and he's got wide receiver skills in every way, shape or form, which makes it difficult uh, being a bigger guy for uh, bigger guys to cover him uh, and it makes it also difficult for smaller guys to cover him. So um, this guy is just a phenomenal football player all the way around. Uh, they do a really good job of featuring his talents as well, and he's been extremely productive in a lot of ways. I know everybody always knows the passes that he catches, but he's also a really good blocker and does a good job in his part of executing whatever he needs to do to, you know, help his teammates have success as well.
0: So that's Nick Saban saying that there, and I'm reminded of something. About Bowers, that I said after the game against Michigan, that if you're Jim Harbaugh, you spend how many weeks talking to your team about, hey, no matter what, you've got to always know where 19 is. You've got to always be aware of Brock Bowers. Yet, at the very beginning of the game, he scores a touchdown that he's wide open on. That speaks to who Bowers is as a player. It also speaks to how well Todd Munkin is scheming things up right now for Bowers. It was also true in the first game against Alabama there as well. Nick Saban's a brilliant coach. Nick Saban's got all the talent in the world at his disposal. Clearly, they knew that Brock Bowers was the number one pass-catching weapon for Georgia. And for the most part, Alabama still could not really effectively stop him during that game. Now, it didn't work out to the tune of a victory, but Bowers had 10 catches, 139 yards, also had a touchdown there as well. Bowers has turned out to be the kind of player for Georgia that even when the opposing defense knows it's coming, and you do know that it's coming, even when the opposing defense knows that it's coming, still very difficult to stop. Alabama couldn't really stop it the first time around. Michigan couldn't really stop it on Friday. Bowers has just had that kind of season. So if you want to kind of circle in on, zero in on, the kinds of things that Georgia has going for it right now that give this team a chance to be the one that finally takes down Alabama, that finally gets this one against the Crimson Tide, the presence of Bowers is clearly that. Now, yes, Alabama's going to try to come back with a game plan that neutralizes him, but presumably they tried to do that the first time around. It didn't work uh, then either. That that you got to have all the potential elements going for it. you got to have the running game. you got to have the, the, the big threats catching the football, and Bowers has turned out to be one of those guys. Nick Saban gave him praise yesterday that in almost every way is justifiable. So if you want to make that list of the of the main reasons why Georgia really does have a very legitimate shot to knock off Alabama in Indianapolis on Monday and hoist that national championship trophy, based on the way that Bowers has played for Georgia throughout the season in the most in the, in the biggest games that Georgia's played. Most importantly, uh, Brock Bowers is definitely a main, a, a very big reason why Georgia puts itself in a great position to potentially win the title on Monday. And that is Around the Doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. And of course, for those of you traveling a lot right now, some of you are in Miami, you're on your way to Indianapolis there as well. A lot of fun things going on this time of year. Of course, one of the things that can make all that more convenient is to have one of those Visa signature and platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Now, one of the cool things about this is a lot of conveniences associated with it. You can make contactless payments, which is kind of an important thing in this era that we're in right now. But beyond that, there are all kinds of great incentives for you when you uh, get one of these Visa signature platinum cards from George's Own Credit Union. You can get uh, all kinds of uh, rewards, cash back. Uh, you can uh, trade in for uh, merchandise and and uh, travel opportunities, all kinds of really cool things when it comes to George's Own Credit Union on all of that. You can even get up to $150 when you sign up for one of these Visa signature and platinum cards from George's own credit union so you've heard me talk about this you want to maybe find out more about this yourself including the restrictions that apply on this check out the website for more details it's org. that's georgiasown.org you can find out about the visa signature and platinum cards and of course it's great to have george's own credit union as a part of around the doghouse here on dog nation daily all right a lot to continue the conversation with for us Georgia against Alabama in the national championship game on Monday. We will do it all right now with our buddy Connor Riley as part of a Kroger Fresh Take. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley right now, and before we get too deeply into the Georgia-Alabama part of this, you balked to the notion that the kid in Halloween, that's one of the great movie lines ever uttered by a kid because that's like the whole point of the whole movie is you can't kill Michael Myers, the famous shot at the very end when you look down the uh, the porch and you don't see Myers there on the ground. Spoiler alert from a movie that came out 40 whatever years ago. Uh, I mean, the kid establishes the entire premise of the plot with that one line and frankly delivers it in a, uh, a very well acted way. I think you've got to put that near the top.
1: I would say anything from Haley Joel Osment and uh, the Sixth Sense is up there. That's a good one. That's would, a good one. I I would say uh, Jojo Rabbit is another movie where children deliver great lines. Uh, know you know, either. no no offense to to Halloween, great film in and of itself, but greatest child actor of all time. That's it's a bit
0: tough for me. It's not quite what I said, but I do think you're Haley Joel Osmond. Certainly a good example of that. But how about the notion of, we talked about this on Friday night for the post game show. We talked about this yesterday of just how much you do embrace Alabama being that one villain, that one foe that's very difficult, difficult to vanquish. And I, I, said this a moment ago and I kind of have a half joking way but I mean this mostly seriously that if you embrace this too much it does kind of put you in the position of being the child in the closet afraid of the game and I don't think that's how Kirby Smart wants to view himself nor do I think that's how Kirby Smart wants this program to be viewed either he wants to approach this game from a position of strength so I can't I can't say it's obvious that Smart didn't make the correct choice yesterday in terms of, hey, for us, this is about just playing a better football game than we did this past time. This is not about, you know, viewing this as some impenetrable foe. What do you think about the mindset approach that Georgia takes for a game like this?
1: Yeah, Nick Saban is not a Kirby Smart problem. This is a a, a college football problem. You know, in in the offseason, when they come out with these coaching lists and Kirby Smart is below guys like Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher, et cetera, Ryan Day, it's because of his shortcomings against Alabama. Well, other than really Dabo Sweeney and Gus Malzahn, show me the coach that has sustained success against Alabama. It doesn't really exist. So I, I think, you know, this is a game, simply put, and you mentioned this earlier as well. Georgia's defense just has to play better. If if, if quite frankly, if they play like they look they did on Friday night against Michigan, where they're fast, where they're flying to the ball, where they're being aggressive in the secondary, I, I think Georgia's gonna win this game. But if they're what they showed against Alabama the first time around, where they're passive, they're unable to get their hands on Bryce Young, they're not really getting a whole lot of pressure. Regardless of who's back there, at quarterback, it's probably going to be a loss once again. You know, uh, one of the things, and so much of this does come back to the quarterback situation, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, that, you know, everyone out there thinks, oh, Yo, you got to have this generational-type quarterback, this this difference maker, this Caleb Williams-type player. In the last three national title games, the losing quarterbacks were Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields. All those guys, to my opinion, check that box as that type of player, and, and all those teams lost by multiple scores. I I know we talk a lot about offense on this show and the importance of that. Georgia has to score points consistently in this game. The defense needs to step up and play like we've seen in 13 out of the 14 games that they have played this season. And if this is a team that's able to do that for four quarters, something this unit has not done, you know, we've seen them do it for halves at a time, but in the second half, the Georgia defense of McKirby smart against Alabama has been just as porous as the offense has been in the second half. So it's a team and a game where Georgia's going to need to play. You can't do it all the time, but can you play good for four quarters on the defensive side of the ball? If you're able to do that, I think you can get a win on next Monday. I think you're right.
0: And I think you point out these national championship game losers, the elite quarterbacks, the Lawrences, the fields, the, you know, the guy T- Tungle the guys like that those offenses were also held to very low point totals in those games, that having a great quarterback has not been a guarantee of a great offensive performance in the national title game. What that leads me to believe, and I think this is the point you were also making, is that defense still matters. Yes, there was a great quarterback that all had a great performance on the other side of all those games, but you also saw great quarterbacks perform poorly in the losing effort in each of those games there as well, which shows you that defense has also been a part of the story in these title games, the you know, most recent Super Bowl. Everybody makes a big deal about you know Tom Brady leading the Bucks to a victory, and he did. But think about the way the Bucks defense plays uh, against Patrick Mahomes there in that spot there as well, that, that defense is not quite as out of style in these big games as some people want to act like it is sometimes
1: right i mean to me the defining sort of moment or image from last year's national championship game it wasn't something a quarterback did it was ohio state had tough borland a slow-footed inside linebacker covering devontae smith like how how is a defense do you let that happen so uh, again you know a lot's going to be made about the quarterbacks this week and there's comparisons there but this georgia defense needs to come out and play like they did against michigan and they need to be fast. They need to be aggressive. And if they're able to do that, and I would point out with the injuries that Alabama has sustained since then, not even the ones on the offensive line, but the John Mechie injury and the Josh Job injury. I mean, I, the Cincinnati game is, is something I sort of throw away because it was very obvious from that first drive. Oh, Alabama's just going to be able to run the ball for six yards to carry the entire game. And yeah. this game is over because if you can't stop the run it, consistently, teams are just going to take that. And that's going to be an easy win, which is what Alabama had. So, I, looking at this Alabama team, it, it's a quite, in my opinion, a quite different team than the one that we saw back on December fourth in Atlanta. And granted, this is going to have to be a Georgia team that is quite different than the one we also saw that day.
0: So you mentioned quarterback a moment ago. I certainly think it's fair to say there are a lot of fans who have to see it to believe it when it comes to Georgia scoring enough points when a game like this. And. I kind of understand where that comes from. We'll get more into that in a moment. However, if you want to have reason to believe that what happened against Michigan can be transferred on the defensive side of the ball – Connor, I think that's a much easier case to make, and I think that you can expect that to happen. I mean, this Michigan offensive line was the Joe Moore award. That's uh, uh, always a hard thing to say. Joe Moore award winning offensive line that, that technically that's a better offensive line than what Alabama had. And I don't know why Alabama's offensive line played so well uh, against Georgia the last time Nick Saban was asked about that yesterday and kind of gave his thoughts on that. But, I mean, Georgia's five stars came to play against Michigan. Nolan Smith is flying around the ball. Nicobe Dean obviously had one of his best games as a uh, Bulldog. You had a very strong take uh, about you know, during that game on that topic. Trayvon Walker was a big part of that game there as well. I just believe, and, and maybe I'm going to be just devastated uh, after the game on, on Monday. I just believe the Georgia defense we saw against Michigan on Friday is... I think I think I think we can see a version of that for Georgia on Monday there as well and I'll never understand why either they had such a deficient game plan or they just simply played so bad against Alabama back the first Saturday in uh, December but I believe on Monday they can play well enough to make that in conversation moot anyway I, I I just think that there is a very easy path for what happened against the Wolverines on Friday to translate on Monday certainly maybe for the defense more so than the offense.
1: Yeah, I, I lean towards the first time around it was a game plan issue, but Kirby Smart touched on this yesterday. In addition to the points that, that you brought up about third down, red zone, not turning the ball over, Georgia just needs its top, de- its top defensive players. It's Nolan Smith, McCoby Dean, Trayvon Walker. Uh, I would include Keely Ringo and Luis Cena there it needs those guys to win one-on-one matchups because that's what one of the big differences in, in my understanding of the Michigan offensive line versus the Alabama offensive line is that Michigan wants to pull, use movement to get guys and to get numbers on that side of the line. And, and Trayvon Walker, the highlight of him decapitating uh, Michigan center there, I think just sums up why that can't work. Whereas Alabama had success because they went mono a mano and Evan, Neal, Stone, Trayvon Walker yeah. and, and Nolan Smith wasn't able to get pressure off the edge and Jamison Williams, beat keely ringo one-on-one and so you need your top defensive players all those guys we just listed who all made plays against michigan you need them to do that against alabama and if Georgia's able to get more wins on that side of the ball again i think i I, the thing about that first alabama game yes the turnovers are bad but georgia found success moving the ball in the air there and alabama's secondary has only gotten more injured since then so I do think that there are some things Georgia can do to move the ball successfully down the field. They're going to have to run the ball better in this game. That's going to be tough given how that is the real strength of this Alabama defense. But I, I do think that Georgia is going to be able to find enough offense to score points. They just have to execute in those third down and red zone situations better. And then defensively, look, you need, your best guys are all on the defensive side of the ball with maybe the exception of Brock Bowers and Jamari Sawyer. You need those guys to win those matchups because if you do that, I think you have a better chance at winning this game.
0: I mentioned N'Kobe Dean a moment ago who played great against Michigan on Friday. You had a real strong take about N'Kobe during the game. Uh, Tell folks here what you said during the game about N'Kobe.
1: Yeah, I said N'Kobe was better than Roquan. And in thinking back and talking to some people, I've walked that take back a little bit. Uh, N'Kobe and Roquan, the biggest thing is just they were asked to do different things. I don't know if N'Kobi could have the impact that Roquan had on a less talented defense. Conversely, if Roquan were playing on this defense, I don't know if he'd be able to shine in the same manner that N'Kobi has found a way to shine. And so, you know, the comparison's always a little bit unfair, but I think we can very clearly say with what he did on Friday's game, N'Kobi is every bit as good as Roquan Smith. He's all over the field. You saw his genius in sort of snuffing out on the one sack he sat, on the one sack he had sort of saying, hey, don't fall for this dummy emotion. It's still going to be a pass there. Yeah. Uh, he has done everything that has been asked of him. Uh, Todd McShay thinks he's a top 10 pick. I think he's at the very least going to be a first-round pick. And for a guy that came in being compared to Roquan Smith, one of the greatest defenders in the history of the Georgia program, in a way, Kobe Dean is sort of like LeBron James in the sense that he has been so hyped since the moment yeah. he became a Georgia Bulldog. And he has somehow lived up to it and even exceeded what we thought those expectations would be. So is he better than Roquan Smith? I don't know. Does he, you know, have a place on the Mount Rushmore of all time, great Georgia defenders. That's a debate I'm sure will have in the off season. But I, I thought against Michigan, Jacoby Dean was outstanding and, and one of the exemplary performances of his Georgia career.
0: Yeah, so whether it's true that he is better or not, the fact that we're having the conversation is interesting to me. And I think it says two things. First of all, for Dean individually, the fact that he was given that next Roquan label and he didn't completely wilt by the comparison is. Pretty impressive for him. The fact that he's made it justifiable. He has won the Buckets Award. Uh, he is, I think, going to be a first round pick. Those are the kinds of things that Roquan did along the way to making himself one of the great single season players in Georgia history, what he did for that defense in 2017. But beyond that, here's what's most important. And we're kind of in this theme of why can this time be different than last time for Georgia? The fact that a player that's either as good as Roquan or almost as good as Roquan is a part of a defense in which he kind of plays a, a complementary role to the rest of these guys, just speaks to what this defense is in comparison to other defenses that have tried to uh, battle against Alabama. And yes, I say all that knowing that the most recent result was not a good one for, for N'Kobe or anybody, but, but this just speaks to the level of talent that, that Georgia has right now. They've had good defenses in all the Kirby Smart years, but this one is different. This one is different, I mean to say. This one is different. And the presence of a guy like Nakobe in the middle, as good as he's been, and yet it's still only part of the story for this Georgia defense, just speaks to what they do have a chance to put together in the biggest game of them all coming up on Monday night.
1: All right, and we've talked about this before, how this Georgia team and specifically even this Georgia defense – it's not really set up to have you know super duper stars like obviously N'Kobe Dean is an incredible player and one of the best in college football, but is he the true you know Roquan level star, Will Anderson level star on the defensive side of the ball? I'm not sure, but I do know against Alabama you're going to need a couple of star performances like Nickobe Dean had against Michigan, like I would say Nolan Smith had against Michigan. I, I know you know we talk about N'Kobe, we we highlight Trayvon's block or uh, you know his big hit there. I thought. Nolan Smith was all over the field and he was a little unfortunate to not finish with two, three sacks against Michigan. And I will say, you know, the Dean is Georgia's leading pass rusher in terms of sacks this season with six and a half. Now, I, I think you need somebody from this Georgia front individually can you get two sacks in this game mm-hmm. can you have multiple pressures yeah. uh, as a team i think you're probably going to need three or four sacks to win this game just given how much alabama figures to throw the football i, I know we talk about numbers before and, and in the offseason and sort of your internal goal is always 40 sacks That's right if Georgia's at 50 sacks at the end of this game on the season, I think that's a win that's because they're time. at 45 right now. And yep. if, if you tell me they're getting five sacks in that game, that means they're clearly getting the Bryce young. That means they're clearly putting him in situations where he has to throw the football. They're clearly behind the sticks. I think that's a real and five is maybe a bit unrealistic. I think, but if you can get to three, if you can get to four, I think that's a winning recipe for Georgia.
0: So I want to do quarterback before we let you go, but on this topic because I think this is fascinating because you're right. I have had that kind of benchmark in mind of what 40 plus would look like, and now to think in a 15 game season you get to 50 that just speaks to even more of you know kind of what Georgia has done from a pass rush standpoint this week. But obviously that's the thing that was totally non-existent the first time these two teams played. My understanding of that was, and I want to see if if you echo this is that Georgia tried to make up for the absence of Adam Anderson by sending that interior rush up the middle, by sending Tendall or, or uh, you know, maybe even a uh, uh, Quay from time to time, but but sending that, you know, kind of, you know, that that try to get that pass rush coming up the middle, and it did not work at all. That I think what I'm hearing you say is a guy like Trayvon coming off the edge has got to win that one-on-one battle. Or a guy like Nolan Smith has got to, you know, you know uh, – overcome the fact that he's going to be a lot smaller than the guys that are blocking him and find a way to use that speed and win a one-on-one battle. It sounds like you're saying, hey, to get the sacks you need in this game, you got to have have a great talent win a matchup on the edge because trying to come from up the middle against Alabama just played right into the hands of what Bryce Young wanted to do. Am I hearing you correctly when you say that?
1: Yeah, Georgia has to win off the edge in this game. And, and there's, you know, a, a case where you, you need a guy like a Nolan or a Trayvon, or even I think you move a guy like a Channing Tindall to the outside to provide the pass rush from there. Because w- when you come up the middle, and granted, that's something that, you know, you've heard New York Giants do against Tom Brady and you've had success there. But, but with the way that Georgia was doing it, when they were bringing pressure up the middle – what that naturally does is it tells Bryce Young, oh, OK, well, I can just bail to the outside yeah. if I'm able to beat contain. And he's a good enough athlete to where he's consistently able to do that. So I think you need to be able to win off the edge to sort of force Bryce Young to step up more in the pocket rather than break and break, contain and roll to one side or the other, because that just plays right in his hand. And. Again, it goes without saying, Bryce Young is an incredible player. Uh, Kirby Smart described described the spatial awareness that he plays with. It's truly elite in that aspect and sort of him knowing where he is on the field at all points in time. So I I think this is a game, and I hope we get a chance to talk to Nolan Smith this week because he is by far one of the more interesting quotes and more colorful quotes on this team. What this game would mean to him because he came to Georgia to win a national title, very specifically outlined that as a clear leader in the 2019 class and I think this is a game for him where you need him like he was against Michigan, but even more than that, you need him or Trayvon Walker to be the clear best player on this Georgia defense.
0: So we're running the risk of going long here, but I want to stay on this topic because I find it pretty interesting. You mentioned Tom Brady a moment ago. If Mac Jones is still the Alabama quarterback, Fresh from up the middle is probably a lot more valuable. That that mm-hmm. when you get got an athlete like Bryce Young, all of a sudden pushing him into the middle of this pocket is probably the, the thing that matters. And I love my fall because i got to interview these high school coaches each and every week. We do the conference calls with the uh, high school coaches. And I realize that high school and college football are to- to- totally different levels. But one of the things I would ask a lot of coaches is, You know, tell me what elite quarterback play looks like. When you're looking to evaluate a quarterback and when you're looking to watch your guy grow, tell me what elite quarterback play looks like. And one of the things I heard so much, Connor, from these high school coaches we talked to this year was they would say, I want to see my guy step into a throw. I want to see him step into contact. I want to see him step into the play. And if you're getting the pressure coming off the edge forcing Bryce Young to step into the pocket to make the throw, let's find out if he wants to take that abuse. Because if you're if you're sending the pressure up the middle, which Georgia tried to do in December, Bryce Young's such a good athlete, we know he wants to throw on the run. Of course he wants to roll right and, and show off his athleticism. That's moving him away from potential contact. And when you're as fast and quick as he is, then he's going to elude that each and every time. It was very hard to get a hand on him that first time around. But if the pressure's coming up from the middle and the only thing left to do is step into the pocket to make the throw, that's the kind of thing that some guys want to do and some guys don't let's find out on monday night if bryce young does want to do that but you got to get that pressure coming off the edge to even make that a factor
1: right and to add to that you know alabama's starting right guard emil okoya who'd been one of the rocks that offensive line this year that's had some issues we're not sure what his status is going to be now i point out and this is and i wrote about this this morning the just advantages that recruiting provides you In steps J.C. Latham, the number one overall offensive lineman in the 2021 recruiting class. Like if you could have anyone to step in there as a backup right guard, you'd pick him. So it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia goes about attacking this Alabama offensive line and getting after because Cincinnati did find some success there. But at the same point in time, I don't know how replicable, you know, Cincinnati's game plan is going to be just given – you know Georgia doesn't Georgia doesn't want to sort of play that game where you're giving up consistent rushing yards because we've seen in the past under Kirby Smart that's just how you lose games. You go back to 2018 LSU, even you know that yep. 2018 Alabama game where they found a lot of success running up the middle. Well, one last sort of thing here, and as great as Jordan Davis has been, and he was good against Michigan uh, on Friday. I think this is a game we need Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt to be your best players on the interior there. Those are the guys that I think are going to make a difference more so in this game than a Jordan Davis.
0: Yeah, listen, I'm a huge Jordan Davis fan, but I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying in terms of the value those guys bring. And I'll also say this about Latham. There's kind of a, an unfortunate symmetry here that I almost hesitate to mention, but you know, in 2017 – you know not only did you get the big performance from Alabama from Tua Tungvalu in the second half but you know Alex Leatherwood probably you know played as a true freshman that day better than almost anybody would have thought that he would have coming into that game it's almost like he ended up not being as good a player for his career as it seemed like he might be after that 2017 national title game that there were actually three true freshmen that stepped into bigger roles for Alabama that day Najee was one uh uh Tua and then obviously Leatherwood played a lot in that 2017 national title game there as well that that's the kind of depth that Alabama has in its program.
1: Yeah. And that's sort of the larger point of what I wrote about this morning and really a jumping off point for I, I think and I actually do sort of start to believe it is a problem. The, the blowouts we see in the college football playoff semifinals where because Georgia, Alabama, even Ohio State most years when they are in the college football playoff have such a wide recruiting advantage that in those games where they get time to, to sort of get healthy and reestablish themselves and, and add in new wrinkles. It really shows up there, that recruiting advantage, that depth advantage that they have. And so, you know, the way I think this college football playoff program goes about getting rectified, adding more games isn't necessarily going to make these semifinal games more more close. I think you'll get more interesting like quarterfinal games per se, but those like final four games, I don't think are going to be all that closer. The reality is you need those programs in the like five through ten range to start recruiting better, to make the gap shrink between what Alabama, and in this case, you can include Texas A&M's class in there as well. What those top four teams are doing from a recruiting standpoint, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Texas A&M this year, you need the Michigans, the Clemsons, the Floridas, the LSUs, USCs, Oklahoma, Texases of the world. You need them to recruit closer To what the top three are doing because the gap right now between georgia the number three team and michigan the number 10 team in terms of recruiting points so to speak is the same gap between number 10 michigan and number 48 miami like Mm. just to illustrate how wide the gap is there so from a recruiting standpoint you know there are 33 five stars playing in this game or on these rosters i should say recruiting is so paramount in this game between the two best recruiting programs the last five years only further illustrates that. point.
0: All right, I want to do a thing on quarterback to let you go. But first, let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here right now. Of course, you're getting stocked up for game day. Big parties taking place. A lot of folks want a lot of uh, family and friends around them for a big game like this on Monday. That means a lot of uh, folks need to be fed. You got to have beverages, you got to have everything like that. You can get all of that by stopping by your local Kroger and getting stocked up for the big party for the big game on Monday. I know you'll do that. Kroger, the only one we would turn to to get ready for a game of this magnitude all right final thing Connor and you know you talked to Sean running the football I think that's a really important thing for Georgia on Monday but we'll push that aside for right now in so many ways it comes down to this we addressed this off the top of the program for a guy like Stetson Bennett can you make the plays you need to make while also avoiding the turnovers you know stetson's one of these guys that you know his best chance to make big completions is about kind of you know once again rolling to his right it's about you know being on the move being on the run you know he wants to play with a little bit of uh, moxie with a little bit of swagger but that also means putting the ball in harm's way From time to time. And that's such a disastrous thing against Alabama the first time around this season. Going back to his performance against Alabama uh, game in 2020, where he had, you know, too many, you know, turnover type plays. Can he find a way to avoid that on Monday? You know, that might be as big a question as faces the dog as as faces the dogs going to a game like this.
1: Yeah, I, I think Stetson can make the positive plays. I think you saw him do that against Michigan. I even think you saw him do that at times in the game against Alabama, it, it, the biggest thing is, look, the reality is he's going to have two or three turnover worthy plays. He, he had a few against Michigan. Michigan yep. just didn't come up with them. Uh, it, it comes down to, you know, can Stetson limit that number to one or two and can Georgia get lucky? And, and that's something they have not had against Alabama is sort of that turnover luck. Can you get lucky in the turnover department and hope that those turnovers don't manifest themselves? and, and, you know it, it's an unknowable thing it's just something that you know you, you we can talk about it we can talk about the importance of it but it's just one of those things that Stetson's going to have to go out there and, and try and limit while also still doing all the things he does that create positive plays escaping from pressure you know finding James Cook or Jermaine Burton or Brock Bowers open downfield. he's going to have to do that while also being mindful of his turnover where he plays. And that's not something you can turn on and turn off. It's just it's something that's going to manifest itself over the course of the game, and it either happens or it doesn't
0: yeah i think it's fascinating you mentioned james cook there's so many different stories for this team on offense trying to score enough points to beat alabama obviously we'll get into that throughout the week But we'll have to pause this conversation here right now connor thanks for being with us for a kroger fresh take today it's as big as it gets come monday we appreciate your help in getting us ready for it And we'll look forward to talking to you very soon of course being with you there in the hoosier state coming up on monday as well
1: yep as always it was a pleasure PA.
3: Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is
0: SEC Through. I know this, after being in the freezing cold Monday uh, and throughout the weekend there in Indianapolis, I'm going to be ready for some sunshine and some warmth uh, after that. And, of course, when I think about that, I think about my friends at Royal Caribbean those great cruise ships setting sail again all across uh the beautiful seas there throughout the caribbean and other destinations there as well you've heard me talk about a lot make sure you check out our friends at the cruise and vacation authority you can book your own royal caribbean cruise and be a part of this i can't wait to enjoy some fun and and some sunshine getting warm and appreciating all that i'm trying to keep my miami tan going here after all uh so i'm going to be trying to do that in the new year of 2022 i know a lot of you are there as well so royal caribbean cruise for a lot more on that. Cruise and Vacation Authority, our friends, will help you get you going on that great Royal Caribbean cruise there, too. So make sure you check them out on that. All right. SEC through Cruiser and the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here. Let's mention the big news from yesterday. It's not necessarily a, an SEC story and not necessarily a Georgia story, but it's certainly very interesting. Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams is going into the transfer portal. Now, this is interesting for a number of reasons. Let's lay it all out. Let's start with the, f- the fact that we saw something yesterday that I don't know that we've seen before, which is that when Williams announced his intention to transfer, you saw Oklahoma essentially make a public pitch to keep Williams. Uh, Joe Castiglione, the Oklahoma athletic director, shares a edit online. I think that Brent Venables did the same thing where they're... Basically saying, hey, you know, Caleb, we love you. We want to keep you. They're essentially making a public recruiting pitch to hold on to their guy. And Williams had acknowledged that Oklahoma would be a consideration for him. He was simply entering the portal to look at all of his available options on this. That's one of the things that's interesting about this is we're maybe now seeing an era in which programs are going to publicly recruit their own players on their own roster as a way of hoping to get them to stay. The other thing that comes up related to the Caleb Williams stuff is, is Georgia. Georgia going to be a factor here. And the reason why you even asked that question is there are a number of fairly prominent Twitter accounts that have mentioned the possibility of Georgia being a landing spot for Caleb Williams. Here's what I believe. I believe that there is certainly plenty of reason for the Caleb Williams camp to want to have the belief out there that Georgia is a potential landing spot for him, especially if this is, as some have suggested, all a big name, image, likeness play that he's essentially out there and available for the highest bidder. Some people have suggested that's a possibility. Well, having the presence of the recruiting behemoth that is Georgia as a part of this discussion simply ups the ante for every other program. So if you're wondering why you see Georgia connected to this story, that might be one of the reasons is that Georgia simply drives up the price for everybody else because Georgia is much the same way that off the top of the program we talked about alabama being georgia's boogeyman and recruiting georgia's everybody else's boogeyman so if you want to get your best offer together for caleb williams the presence of georgia certainly motivates you to do that so that's one of the reasons why the williams camp might want it out there that hey georgia's in the mix here on the other side georgia's got a bunch of quarterbacks he's trying to keep let's say that georgia really is pursuing caleb williams georgia's got every reason to make it seem like they're not because they're also trying to hold on to their own quarterbacks there as well And how does Caleb compare to Brock Vandegrift or or Carson Beck or any of the other Georgia quarterbacks? I don't know. Uh, I don't know that anybody knows that. But certainly, as you're working to kind of maintain your own roster stability, having having it out there that you're publicly recruiting another quarterback like Caleb Williams is probably not the easiest way to do all of that. So who really knows what's going on here? There's plenty of reason to spin this on both sides. But certainly from the Georgia standpoint, it's been interesting if you're following this on social media, the fact that Georgia's name does kind of show up this the name of the program i mean kind of show up in this caleb williams conversation a little bit and there's potentially plenty of motivation for why it would and why it wouldn't regardless what the ultimate outcome ends up being and then beyond that there's this and this is the part that's for now the most tangible and the most interesting so quickly on the heels of williams leaving oklahoma or at least threatening to leave oklahoma you've got dylan gabriel Uh, the former UCF quarterback who was going to go to UCLA, uh, you know, from one abbreviation school to another, all of a sudden now was like, I'm going to Oklahoma. So he's basically supposed to be going to campus there on Westwood and go to classes there at UCLA. And all of a sudden now he's going to Oklahoma. And, you know, some have written that you've seen the coaching carousel before. This is about to be the quarterback carousel where all these quarterbacks are about to start changing teams. And I thought Ralph Russo from the Associated Press, who's kind of like their big, longtime college reporter, had kind of an interesting point to make where he thinks that the sport could be trending in a direction where all of a sudden you know scholarships in the past haven't really been contracts it's one of those things where you know the the school's not bound to you for four years that's a basically a renewable contract but it's not the kind of thing where they're bound to you for four years and for the player that's not there's not much of a binding agreement nature of that scholarship uh the AP reporter kind of laying out a scenario where well, that could change all of a sudden now teams could be asking for a little bit more of a substantial commitment on the part of players and the immediate pushback we touched on some of this yesterday but the immediate pushback from some uh fans is going to be well why would you hold the players to a contract you don't hold the coaches to their contract and I know that seems like it's true because you do have coaches that change you know jobs very frequently once the season comes an in but There is a nature to which the player stuff related to the transfer portal is is a lot wilder than the coaching carousel part. I mean, that's the thing you got to acknowledge here is that the the opportunity to transfer has become so liberal. I don't mean politically liberal. I just mean like uh, you know small l liberal. It's become so liberal here that. that it's way wilder. It's way crazier than anything related to the coaching carousel, because while coaches may change jobs frantically during the off season, they don't do that during spring practice for the most part. And they don't do that right before the season begins. They don't do that after the fourth game of the season and that's the thing that the transfer portal now allows for this notion of well I'm not the starting quarterback after spring practice so I'm gone or I'm not the starting quarterback before the start of the season so I'm gone hey it's four games into the year I'm about to burn my red shirt here I'm not having a good time so now I'm bolting out of the program that there is nothing wrong in my mind with college football restoring a little bit more sanity to the transfer process and that doesn't mean i'm a thousand years old and i don't want there to be any opportunity for players who are not playing to get a chance to play that doesn't that doesn't mean that uh but i will point out something that smart said yesterday maybe we'll play this audio at some point this week that hey you know for a lot of the guys who are you know hanging around a place like georgia not playing they actually leave they go somewhere else and they think the path to playing time is a little easier there and they get over there and they find out you know what hey sometimes the grass isn't really greener i'm playing more but i'm not being developed better i think that's a fair point that smart brought up yesterday i believe there is a degree which that is true so the overall bottom line of of this topic is is that that caleb williams is is in the transfer portal it's going to probably have a bunch of other dominoes that fall because of that and Listen, I'm all for guys going where they're happy, but I'm also, you know, college football maintaining some degree of stability and integrity as a sport, which means putting some sort of parameters around some of this stuff related to transfers. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. We will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. A couple of things here before we get ready to wrap up. First of all, I mentioned game watch parties before. One of the things to have for you as you enjoy this uh, pregame tailgate on Monday, sitting inside where it's warm, watching a little football there as well. How about our friends at the Finish long drink? You've heard of me talking about this. You can go to thelongdrink.com and find out where you can try some, whether it's the long drink traditional, which comes in a blue can, grapefruit flavor, gin kick, long drink strong, black can, 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, zero carb, zero sugar, long drink cranberry, which is as it might suggest, a cranberry-flavored, uh, ready-to-drink cocktail that comes right out of a can. It looks like a beer, but it's not a beer. You just simply drink it out of the can. You pour it into a glass. It's ready to enjoy. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And so many of you have fallen in love with it the way that my uh, uh, wife and I have. Uh, others of you are going to try it for the first time. So if you check out thelongdrink.com, you can get on board with all of that. And you can find out where you can pick up some today. The finished Long Drink, online at thelongdrink.com. Also, as you get ready to roll towards not just the final college football game of the season on Monday, um, but also pro football playoffs, everything else. Great time to get on board with our friends at BetUS right now. A chance to uh get in there, get that big first deposit bonus. If you simply go to betus.com, that's betus.com, and use the promo code DN125, the DN stands for dog nation, DN one twenty five, you get hundred and twenty-five percent sign up bonus when you open your account. That means that BetUS is going to put more money in your account than you do when you first get going there. So find them online at BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125. Take advantage of that 125% sign-up bonus. And best of luck to you as you make your picks for the national title game, all the pro football playoffs, and everything else going on. BetUS.com. Promo code DN125. So apparently this is becoming a little bit of an epidemic, a a plague around around the, the sport of football. We do our Golden Shoe every day, and the origination of the Golden Shoe is the thrown shoe by Marco Wilson for the Florida Gators at the end of the 2020 season against LSU. But since then, we've actually had a lot more instances of shoes being thrown. In fact, uh, Dog on uh, Tap gives us this coming from a Jadavian Clowney of Money Night Football, uh, took off uh, Chase Claypool's uh, cleat and threw it all of a sudden we've got uh more shoes being thrown and this one actually is golden so uh i may have to send a cease and desist letter to uh jadavia and clowny the former south carolina great for uh for stepping on our turf here a little bit when it comes to throwing a golden shoe that's our uh, intellectual property but nonetheless doggone tap will make you the golden shoe winner today for pointing out another literal golden shoe there Also, business to take care of the dogs on Monday, but still think about those lousy, stinking Gators. Gatorator countdown, 298 days from right now. We'll see you back here tomorrow. More National Championship Preview. It's Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.